0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that. Opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised.
1: On this week's Court TV podcast, the twists and turns of the Doomsday Cult Mom saga continue with an announcement from Arizona authorities that they plan to bring charges against her for the death of her husband, Charles Vallow. Court TV's Chanley Painter will run us through those potential charges and update us on what happened with Lori Vallow's scheduled preliminary hearing. Then, friend of the podcast, attorney Monica Lindstrom returns with her
0: take on which murders Vallow should be charged with. Her husband or her children. This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinny Politan.
2: I promise you that I have done nothing wrong in this case, but sometimes you have to hide in a coffee of a rock for your own life safety. And that's what the Lord requires of you sometimes. And that's how it is. And I'm sorry that's how it is because there is a lot of darkness on the earth. I yeah. know. This, she's been after me for zero reason. Besides the darkness of Kay, which you already know she's dark. I I, ha- I haven't met her enough to know if she is dark or not. I've just met her slightly, and she seemed like a normal kind of person, but then I haven't engaged with her that much, so I don't know that personally.
1: That is Lori Vallow Daybell, the so-called Doomsday Cult Mom, on the phone with Melanie Gibbs, a woman who at one time was one of her best friends in the world and now is probably her worst enemy and the best witness against her. And Lori Vallow Daybell... Um, wow. What a complicated life she is living right now. Welcome to the Court TV podcast. I'm Vinny Politan. We're going to talk about Lori Valdebel, but this is a, a tough one to, to get your arms around because it's, it's a case that involves several jurisdictions, uh, different states different charges different victims you've got uh two trials involving the same investigation and then you've got investigations into murders that haven't been charged yet in different states so we're going to try to make some sense today about what's going on in the world of lori valo Daybell. so to help me chanley painter court tv legal correspondent joins us uh, chanley great to have you aboard um do you think you can get this done today? You think you can make some sense out of Lori Valade world?
3: Hey, then you know I'll always try. We might need to, you know, submit a graphic or pictures along with this podcast somehow to help people understand.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it. I mean, it's been a co- the most complicated story I've covered from the beginning, and it doesn't seem to be getting any more simple. But let's start here. Let's go to Arizona. I know she's in Idaho. She's locked up there now, but she used to live in Arizona. And is it my understanding, is it correct that there's an ongoing murder investigation that she is the subject of in Arizona?
3: Absolutely, Vinny. Huge news coming out of Chandler, Arizona. Now, remember, this is where her former husband, Charles Vallow, was shot and killed by Lori's brother, Alex Cox. July 11th of 2019. So stemming from that investigation, even though Alex Cox claimed self-defense, the authorities there have always been suspicious and Lori Vallow Daybell has always been a person of interest. So the police department released this statement, an update on their investigation into Lori's role in the death of Charles Vallow, because as we know, Alex Cox is dead. He's deceased. Uh, But they're saying that He can confirm charges may come for her. One will be conspiracy to commit murder. And this could take a few months. They're still investigating. They say they would hand over the case maybe in four to six months. But get this many. The detectives there have search warrants and subpoenas out on the case there in Arizona. And they're going through hundreds of thousands of pages of digital data. Can't wait until they release what they uncover.
1: OK, and 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 to me, this this is, you know, kind of where the beginning, the first domino that 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 falls is the shooting death of Charles Vallow, who's, who's like a good guy. He's a good guy. He was taking care of her. They were together for more than a decade. Where do we know exactly where Lori Vallow was at the moment Charles Vallow was shot and killed?
3: And I just have to say, Charles Vallow's 64th birthday was yesterday. So uh, happy birthday to him. Uh, but yes, Lori at the time. And we see this on body cam video when police respond to the shooting death of Charles Vallow, that she's arrives and she's outside her car. They go talk to her. She was taking J.J. Vallo to school that morning with Tylee. You see Tylee in the body cam video. Her face is blurred out. And she was present there at the time that this shooting happened with between uh, Alex and Charles and Lori, the fight that was happening. But Lori was... You just went ahead and took J.J. on to school that morning as if it was a normal day in the life.
1: So her demeanor to me has is, is always been off and, and speaks volumes and will not play well in front of a jury. Her demeanor at the time that her husband of more than a decade um, was shot and killed by her brother was, was really bizarre. How would you describe it, Shanley?
3: <laughs> well, I think if we... Watch that one that one clip that we always show on court TV uh, where the officer approaches her and and she, you know, says who she is and um, she goes, you know, something about the neighbors are so shocked because we just moved here. And she says something like, sorry, neighbors. And she gives a little laugh. This is just moments after her husband of, like you said, more than a decade was shot by her brother-in-law, uh, her brother in self-defense. So, she seems a little uh, not too concerned about the situation. And I have to also say that Alex Cox didn't seem that concerned either after being in this big altercation and shooting his brother-in-law. You hear him on the 911 call just nonchalantly saying, I shot my brother in self-defense. Come send an ambulance.
1: Unbelievable. She's got ice water in, in, in her veins. I mean, nothing seems to affect her. It's bizarre. All right. So now let's let's leave Arizona. We're going, to, we're going to, I don't know if you can drive. I guess you can drive. It's a long drive. I'm going to go up to Idaho now. And she was supposed to have a preliminary hearing, right? The Court TV crew was in town. Chanley was there. The photographers were there. Audio. The Court TV truck was there. We're all set to go. And then what happens?
3: Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happened, Vinny. Well, she waived her preliminary hearing. So it was the last minute, almost last minute, a couple of days before it was scheduled to happen. And only two days after her husband, Chad Daybell's two-day preliminary hearing where the judge found probable cause to bound his case over to the district court. So Lori Valadable decided to waive it. And there was a formal sort of almost emergency last-minute hearing so the judge could put it all on the record. We were able to see via Zoom Lori Valadable appear with her mask on in the courtroom. Her lawyer was at his office. And you know they went through the motions. She waived her preliminary hearing, which means her case automatically is now in the district court.
1: Throws in the towel throws in the towel, says, go ahead, try me, try me. Did you notice this? And and again, I I hope I'm not being catty, but it seemed like she went matchy matchy with the mask and the sweater.
3: You know, it actually was because I have an eye for fashion. It was a repeat. She repeated the sweater. Remember she wore it earlier in another hearing. Mm -hmm. The first hearing that we were able to see her in street clothes so she must have kept it and decided to wear it again, possibly because it didn't match her mask.
1: Right, right. Okay, so I, what I want to do right now, because she's going to have a trial or trials, I wanted to take a listen to um, an interview that was done by Melanie Gibbs. And Melanie Gibbs is someone who knows her very well, right, Challenge? She's a really good friend of Lori Valdebel's?
3: Oh, yeah, former best friend.
1: Okay. So she here is is now talking about Lori and Chad and everything that has transpired. And to me, this is such a revealing interview.
3: I hope that um, they can realize this is pure evil. There's nothing good. The whole goal for them was to be together, and they're not. All the things that they thought were going to happen, their predicted revelations, can you not see that nothing happened the way you thought they would happen at some point you have to say to yourself nothing happened we're not together we're both in jail and now four people that were in our family are dead there comes a point where you got to wake up and realize there's some either mental illness there some evil influences there at some point you're going to have to come to that realization that you can't live in this pretended bubble that you believe in anymore it's got to pop eventually because you're not going to uh
1: come out of jail. You're going to be there for the rest of your life. Melanie Gibbs is the, is the key to this whole case. I mean, she's the one witness who makes sense and at one point was very close to Lori Vallow, um, but can take a step back and, and can, and realize how insane all of this stuff is. But she mentioned mental illness Chanley, and I can't tell you how many times um, viewers have have posted comments about her mental state and what's going on there, and 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 the question is it mental illness? Is it pure evil? What is going on there? But if it is mental illness, that's not necessarily going to help her in court, is it?
3: No, because she's charged in the state of Idaho. Idaho just happens to be only one of four states in the United States that does not offer a formal insanity plea. So she can't say I'm not guilty because I was insane. So there's a very limited Way a defendant, a highly unsuccessful way, mind you, that they can try to attack the mental element of a crime. So basically, she's charged now with a general intent crime, where really she couldn't bring up any mental health issues as a mitigator or an excuse for those.
1: But let's get to murder. Let's let's say that that the big M comes right down the road that she gets charged for murder in Idaho. How and 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 let's say that her defense team has her evaluated and they say, you know what, there's something wrong here. I mean, what can they do if anything?
3: Oh, well, they can actually make it the pillar of their defense uh, against the murder charges, saying that there's no way that she had the ability to form the intent, the premeditation, to plan, to have the forethought to do this because... She didn't realize what she was doing was wrong or it was illegal. And even in Idaho, though, Vinny, I spoke to several experts there in the state. And there's past cases where the defendant maybe thought someone was an alien or spiritual being or whatever. They were saving the world.
1: Zombie? zombie? A zombie,
3: let's say zombies. And even if it was to protect yourself or to protect someone else you still planned it, you thought about it, and you killed someone. Even if it was a zombie, it's highly likely you're still going to be convicted in the state of Idaho.
1: Well, I, you know, I have, I have mixed feelings about it. You know, I feel bad for people with mental illness. But as we know, mental illness is different than legal insanity. One is a, uh, you know, a medical diagnosis. Another one is a legal standard. And, uh, you know, people, uh, she's dangerous. I just think she's dangerous. Too many people are dead around her. But fascinating to see the way this case or cases or trials are going to play out in Idaho a lot different than some of the other states that we cover them And Unbelievable stuff. So, Chanley, uh, what's next? Just give us a, a preview. When are we going to see Lori Valdez in court again?
3: We're actually going to see her August 27th for her formal arraignment. A short Zoom hearing will be had. And then, of course, we'll get a trial date if she pleads not guilty at her arraignment. And we'll know that date coming up. August
1: 27th. And then the next countdown begins. We had the countdown to the end of the world. Didn't happen. Let's hope the countdown to the trial actually does. <laughs> Chanley Painter, Court TV legal correspondent. Great to have you board. Thanks so much. Thanks, Vinny. All right. And, and you know, there are no murder charges yet, folks. Okay. We keep talking about it, but they do not exist. They don't exist in Idaho involving the death of the children. And they don't exist in Arizona regarding the death of her husband, Charles Vallow but i'm gonna pose a question which case which investigation would produce a stronger murder case against lori Vallow daybell what's happening in arizona relative to charles or what's happening in idaho relative to her own children we will bring in someone from arizona huh, to debate that and, and guess which side she's on of course the Arizona side. Monica Lindstrom joins us next.
0: For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front row seat to justice. Did you talk to Lori about J.J. that morning? I did. did uh, what did she tell you about J.J. that morning? She said that he was uh, being a zombie and climbed up on the cabinets, climbed up on top of the fridge, smashed her picture of Christ down, and then climbed up onto the upper cabinets and got between the top of the cabinet and the ceiling. Okay. Um, and then what did she tell you? I asked to see him, and she just said that he was out of control. So she had Alex come and get him. And who was Alex?
3: Lori's brother. Okay. Is that Alex Cox?
0: Yes. Those are the words of
1: David Warwick. He's the boyfriend of Melanie Gibbs. He was at Lori Vallow home the weekend that J.J. disappeared, the weekend that Tylee was nowhere to be seen. And there he is describing a conversation with Lori Vallow all about the zombies. And that takes place in Idaho. And that is the weekend that J.J. disappears. And to me, you listen to him in his conversation with Lori Vallow that is tantamount to a confession. And to me, is strong evidence if and when prosecutors decide to bring murder charges against Lori Vallow related to to J.J. But there's another investigation taking place in Arizona involving the shooting death of Charles Vallo, who was her husband. Number four at the time. She's on to number five now. But number four, there's now a murder investigation, as Chanley told us, into that shooting death by Alex Cox again. But this investigation is aimed at Lori Vallow Daybell. So which case which investigation is going to bring us a stronger murder charge or potential murder charge against Lori Valaday Bell? I think it's obvious. It's what's happening in Idaho. But um, Monica Lindstrom, great attorney from Arizona, does not necessarily agree with me, although she will hopefully by the end of this segment. Monica, thanks for coming on.
2: Yeah, thanks, Vinny. You know, of course, I always agree with you, right? Ha. No.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 never. Uh, but but sometimes I convince you, right? I turn you around, right? I, I convinced you that Jodie Arias was guilty, right? Didn't I?
2: Well, duh. I mean, you'd have to be a monkey with no brain to think that she wasn't guilty. Come on, now. That was easy.
1: All right. Well, I thought you were on the fence, and I thought I kind of I, I helped you <laughs> helped you <laughs> onto our side. No, 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 no. All right. So let's talk about these two investigations. And again, folks, I preface this all: there are no murder charges against Lori Valade Bell. What we are doing is looking at the investigation, the evidence that has become public so far, and which one would be potentially a stronger case. Um, And and I think it's what's happening in Idaho. You you think Arizona. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell me why.
2: All right. Well, number one, how long did it take Idaho to get on the ball and bring charges against her and bring her back to Idaho? It seemed like it took forever. You have to wonder if the investigators up there have, Uh, much more of a brain because here she is in Hawaii, right? With her husband, her new husband, and the children are gone and Idaho's still twiddling its thumbs deciding when to bring her back, right? Well, now Arizona, Arizona, shout out to our cops out here because they're working hard, right? And they're coming up with a case to give to the county attorneys. He died in July and they're almost ready to submit the case. So I say we've got the smarter, stronger investigators here. So I think we're going to have a case here in Arizona before the murder case in Idaho. Number one.
1: Uh, Monica, you you don't, you don't practice any law in Idaho, do you? Because uh, I don't think, I think you're going to be public enemy number one right now. You know
2: what? Thank goodness I don't, because I think I'd go crazy with those cops up there. Vinny, I, I remember, it, you know, months ago going, why haven't they charged this woman yet? Well, Who knows why? But anyway, I think Arizona has a stronger case because we don't have a whole lot of people involved, right? Idaho, they have the the grave digger, we like to call him, right? We affectionately call him the grave digger. And then we've got um, some other people involved up there. Whereas here in Arizona, he just happens to die in her own house. You know, I'm just saying, I think it's a little stronger over here.
1: All right. Uh, I think we're going to focus more on evidence.
2: Okay, bring it.
1: In my argument. Bring it. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, we we heard the eyewitness account from David Warwick, where she is referring to JJ on the weekend he disappears as a zombie and tells him that Alex came and got him. Okay?
2: Okay, so don't we always refer to our kids as little you know, hellions or zombies or little, you know, the S word that I can't say right now when they're being a little, you know, naughty or pain in the butt. Come on.
1: Not in my house. Maybe in (laughs) your house, Monica (laughs) Lynch. You
2: you might think it in your mind. You just don't say it out loud. Go on. Well,
1: here's the other thing. Uh, Lori Valla, how does she react? What does she do? What actions does she take? She lies. She lies to investigators about where the children are. She tries to convince and is somewhat successful initially in getting her best friend, Melanie Gibbs, to lie to police. She lied to her friend Melanie about where her daughter Tylee was, saying that, oh yeah, she's over at BYU, when she was already gone, dead, and buried. And don't forget what she did once police started knocking on the door. As you indicated to us, she fled. She fled. So who lies? Who flees? Someone who has something to hide. Someone who is G-U-I-L-T-Y, guilty. Now, Alex Cox, right? We know he's the linchpin. He's the the family hitman. Dead.
2: Yeah, and he just happens to be dead. He's
1: dead. (laughs) But his cell phone records live on. And those mm-hmm. cell phone records mm-hmm. put him in Lori Vallow Daybell's apartment and puts him at the burial site right at the time where David Warwick will come into a courtroom and tell the jury that, oh, yeah, that's when uh, she said J.J. turned into a zombie. And then don't forget, we have all the evidence about what happens to zombies.
2: OK, OK, my turn, my turn. Now, you've got Alex in the gravedigger in Idaho. Here in Arizona, we've got Alex as the pawn, right? Because we've got Lori, who is the, the orchestrator, the puppeteer of everything. She starts setting up this story about how, you know, she's a god and she's a translated being who can't taste death. Hmm. So she's trying to figure out how can I kill this guy without me having to taste death, right? And she even tells him that she will kill him if he gets in her way and that she has an angel to dispose of the body. Well, Alex was probably her angel, but she's the black widow. Her fourth husband ends up dead. Her her new, well, not new husband, but Charles ends up dead. She's the one that is orchestrating this and pulling the strings. And she's a cold hearted snake because we do have a lot of snakes here in Arizona, by the way, and she was one of them. So, and then the linchpin, Vinnie. I think this is so important. And you talked to Chanley about it last time. She stood there across the street from her house with her husband, cause they weren't divorced yet, body cold, she stands there just kind of leaning against her car like it's no big deal, smiling and almost laughing that he is dead. Come on now. If that's not evidence that's G-U-I-L-T, I don't know what is. I think the case is stronger here in AZ. Well,
1: here's the bottom line, though.
2: That She's guilty no matter what.
1: A mother's children go missing. What should a mother do when her child goes missing? What do they do? You report them missing, you call police, and you say, my children are gone, I don't know where they are, help me find my children. And she could not be less interested in finding her children because she knew where her children were. They were dead and buried in her husband's, in her husband-to-be's backyard because he was still married to Tammy at the time. But she knew where they were. She knew what happened to them. She has consciousness of guilt, so she doesn't report them to police and does the exact opposite of reporting her children missing. She runs away and runs away with her motive. Why do I need these children gone? Why? Because I need to be with the man that I desire.
2: Oh, good Lord, Vinny. Come on now. Have you seen him?
1: Yes. Get the children out of the way. I can't afford to take care of these kids. I need to be in paradise down in Hawaii with the man that I truly love, my fifth soulmate.
2: You've got a skewed definition of what's desirable because have you seen Chad Daybell? (laughs) Not exactly desirable, I would say. But I think if we look at it, Idaho, she's covering up for her husband and her brother, right? She's a pawn in that. Now, granted, she might know a thing or two, but I don't think she's the one that actually orchestrated it. I think maybe her husband or soon to be husband, Chad Daybell did, right? Come back to Arizona. She's the one that she knew her husband was coming to pick up JJ that morning. So what did she do? She made sure that her brother was there to start an alleged fight, right? Allegedly, there was a fight and and, and Charles just happened to have a baseball bat, just happened to have a baseball bat and hit Alex in the back of the head. That just doesn't make sense. And all this time while that's going on, she's taking JJ to school. Why is she taking JJ to school if Alex is supposed to be there? She made sure she wasn't there, but she set it all up. This woman is a sociopath. She has no idea what emotions is. She threatened to kill her husband. She figured out a way to do it. And I don't think she was the pawn in Arizona. She was the puppeteer. Where? Uh
1: Uh-huh.
2: Wait, wait, Uh wait, wait. wait. Come on, baby.
1: When we we try a case... I'm waiting. When we try a case, who ultimately delivers the verdict?
2: Well, you know, who? What, the clerk that reads it?
1: The jury. (laughs) The jury.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And where, as a prosecutor, would you rather try a case? In Arizona? Or maybe... In a place that's just a little more conservative, a little more down to earth, a place where they may not like cheating spouses, a place where they love kids, Idaho.
2: Did you say down to earth, down to earth, Idaho, where Chad Daybell and his fictional world of being one of the you know, blessed or something that's going to bring us into the new millennium and all of his followers there in Idaho that believe that? Oh, please, no. Arizona's conservative. All right, I'll give you this, Minnie. I would rather be the prosecutor against her in Idaho because I am a mom and, you know, I would rather, you know, see her suffer, right? But I do think the case right now is going to be stronger in Arizona. Uh Uh-huh, because she's a black widow. Oh, She's awful. I agree with you there. Awful.
1: All right, Monica Lindstrom. Always a pleasure to uh, have you on the program. Thanks,
2: Vinny. And
1: and 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 have you fight the fight for the losing side? Oh, come no, on! No, now. no, no. You, you did. No, no. This was really close. This was really close <laughs> this week. This was really, really close. <laughs> Thanks so much, Monica. All
2: right, bye, guys. Thank you.
1: All right, when we come back, um, you ever hear criminal defense attorneys are always crying and whining that they want a jury of the of, of their clients' peers. We need a jury of our peers. That's not a jury of our peers. And they complain all the time. That's not what they really want. What they want is a jury that's going to say not guilty. And, and the true evidence of that is this case. I'm going to talk about that next.
0: Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to courttv.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. So, I can't tell you how many times
1: I've heard criminal defense attorneys whining about the jury that it's not a jury of my client's peers, that they're entitled to a jury of their peers. And what does that mean anyway? Um, I always assumed that that meant, all right, a jury of fellow Americans who can be fair and impartial. And that's what it should be. But, but for, the, for the defense bar and criminal defense attorneys, it takes on another meaning. They want a jury that is just like their client. At least that's what they argue sometimes. But what they're really arguing for is a jury that will say not guilty. And, and they're entitled to say that. The problem is they're, they're lying when they say they want a jury of, of peers because it depends on the case. It depends on the facts, what they're really asking for. And prosecutors want the same thing. I'm not saying they don't. But it, during the, the process of jury selection, lawyers are always looking to angle it so they have a jury that they feel would be more receptive to their case, to their argument. And sometimes they say it's a jury of their peers, and other times they won't. And this is the case where they won't—the case of Lori Vallo Daybell—and we're we're kind of hearing that already, all right. This case is in right now in East Idaho. East Idaho is dominated by the LDS Church, Mormons everywhere, everywhere you go, and 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 BYU, uh, the Idaho campus is there. It is just in the fabric of that community, of that entire community, and and dominates. Those are Lori Vallo Daybell's peers. She is lds i mean this was her life she had a podcast religious podcast this is how she met people this is how she made friends this is who she is but just wait her and her husband chad daybell both will will do anything they can to get out of east idaho and they may or may not actually bring up the 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 religious aspect of all this because there's a slight constitutional issue there that could be argued that if you were trying to eliminate jurors based upon religion, might have a constitutional problem with it, right? But they want to get out of there. And and all of this is because um, they don't believe that the LDS church members will be receptive to their case, and they'll have a better chance of a not guilty. But that's not what But that's not the test. That's not the base. That's not how we figure out where to try a case. You know, what's best for the defendant. It's just looking for a place where you can find a fair and impartial jury. And the default in every case is you try the case where the crime was committed unless you can't. Now, the clock is ticking on when the defense will have to make their decision on whether or not they want to make a motion to move the case to a different jurisdiction. But but think about what's really going on here. Is they are saying these people in East Idaho, and when they say these people, you talk about Mormons, cannot be fair and impartial. Think about that for a second. How with a broad stroke, you know, in your mind you can think, well, they there, there's no way, there is no way that these Mormons are going to be fair and impartial in this case. Now, I don't think they're ever going to utter those words in court, again, because of some constitutional problems. But trust me, that's what's really going on here. Because Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow were LDS at some point, but as we've heard from friends of theirs and, and people who, have, who shared beliefs with them at one point, um, they strayed. And, and they are off the rails. They are off the tracks. They are, they are not um, part of the mainstream beliefs of the LDS church. And, and they're afraid that if this case is tried in front of people who understand how LDS works and what they believe, that they will hold it against Chad Daybell and hold it against Lori Vallow Daybell, that they somehow took the religion and made them look bad. And that's the real reason they want to get out of East Idaho. They want out. Trust me. They will file the papers. They will fight and battle to get out of there. And think about what that means. That means they do not want a jury of their peers. They want a jury that knows nothing about LDS and and, and knows nothing about um, and ha- will have no perspective of, of what their belief system was and their doomsday and their zombies and everything else, what it has to do with anything. And that's what they want. They don't want a jury of their peers. They just don't want it. And, and I understand that it's a very small community and everyone knows about this case, but trust me, everybody knows about this case in Idaho. This is the biggest story to come out of there in a long time. Clearly the biggest case or trial. And whether you're in Boise or you're in Rexburg or you're in Fremont County, wherever you are, people are going to know about it. At the end of the day, what we have, and, and I can't stress this enough, in our system of justice, we have voir dire or voir dire, where you get to question the jurors and find out what they believe, what they think, can they be fair and impartial? And if they, and if they pass all those tests, then you get a jury. O.J. Simpson got a jury, Casey Anthony got a jury, Jody Arias got a jury, George Zimmerman got a jury, and all those verdicts were split all over the place. Some not guilty, some guilty. You know why? Because our system works and you can always find 12, and I believe you can always find 12 in the jurisdiction where the case happened, but sometimes they move it, and they move it for very specific reasons. That's it for this week, folks. Um, By the way, we have these show notes. If you check out the links in in the show notes here, you will see links to some of that body cam footage that we were talking about with uh, Chanley earlier on. Extremely revealing if you haven't seen it. Uh, It really speaks volumes about what happened in this case and gives you a much better uh, insight. So uh, click on those links, check it out. Also, check me out on television every night from 8 to 11 p.m. on Court TV. If you have a digital antenna, you know what you have to do people. Rescan. Rescan that antenna and you will pick up your court TV signal. That's it folks, I will see you next week. I'm Vinny Politan. Enjoy yourselves and as always, don't forget
0: to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.